Hello and welcome to The Fandamentalist, the fandom podcast investigating all aspects of geeky media. Welcome to the I Disappoint Dad Club. I've spent my life trying to build something here. Growing up, a non-white, non-straight girl in Blue Springs, Nebraska. I wouldn't wish to excite your anticipation. I never asked to be made! You're exactly the hero I wanted you to be. My name is Kylie, and here with me are Gretchen. Hello! Julia. Hey! And joining us for the first time is our contributor, Bo. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited that Bo is here. I know. I know. We have been trying to make this episode happen for a while, and fun fact! Okay, fine, it's my fault. Okay, let's, I'll blame Julia, because it's Julia's fault. Go ahead. We already recorded this episode, and then Florida (laughs) got hit with a thunderstorm, and we had to re-record it. Just this one today. Yeah, that's how bad. That's how badly we. uh, We're gonna have a. It's probably the same thunderstorm that we're gonna have tomorrow. It's gonna mess up my son's pool party. Yeah, which sounds like it's okay with you. Oh hey, (laughs) who are the four of us, and what the hell are we doing? Well, we all write for thefundamentals.com, a geeky media criticism review site uh, for fundamentally sound fandom analysis. So be sure to check us out there. What are we doing today? Well, like always, we're going to start off with some fandom news because we like to talk about things mm-hmm. happen in the nerdy space. But then we're actually going to have a very positive episode this, uh, this week. Yeah, so it's going to be talking about two of our favorite shows and hopefully shows that we can persuade you to watch and enjoy. Although we're going to be Please. Yeah, we're going to be spoiling everything that happens too. So Yeah, this is it doesn't is, matter. Yeah. Like, you know, it's one of those things like you know, it's it's like knowing that Anne Boleyn is going to die at the end of Bringing Up the Bodies. It, d- it doesn't yeah. wreck it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually like spoilers. Uh, but the two yeah. favorite shows we were talking about are first going to be Black Sails, which just ended its four, its four seasons, and it's the complete series now. A stars show about swashbuckling pansexual pirates. It's a prequel to Treasure Island. Yes. yes. It's wonderful. And uh, Steven Universe, our favorite child's cartoon that we can't stop watching, even though we are all... Official adults. So. <laughs> Even when they give us no choice what to stop watching. Yes, that, yes. that's true. That's very true. We're more shm adults than adults, though. Mm, that's true. <laughs> so what's been going on in the geeky space? We we had three weeks off, so a, lot, a lot's happened. What do we want to start off with uh, talking about? Uh, well, this isn't really strictly, like, geeky news, but um, Mattel just unveiled their new Ken dolls. So, I'm so irrationally excited. So, for like the male companion to Barbie. <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't know what a Ken doll is, but I mean, I want to be specific. <laughs> um, and they're very, they're very diverse. They have diverse body types, and they're racially diverse, but they're also like really hilarious looking. Can we talk about how one of them actually, like, literally looks like Rachel yeah, Meadow? Like, not even joking. Yes. It what does. everyone is losing their shit over is Man Bun. Oh my gosh, Man Bun. Okay, I I like the Man Bun guy. <laughs> oh. But I, I also adore Rachel Meadow. They, oh. <laughs> they just did a they just did a poll today, and apparently Man Bun is more popular than Trump. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so are lice. I mean, there are a lot um, of things that are more popular than our current president. But it is funny that yeah. no, I mean, 
Uh, these Kens, like, it's cool to see the diversity, but half of them just look like really fly lesbians to me, is, like, the other yeah. thing about these Ken dolls. <laughs> oh, um, apparently Otto Straddle had an, had an article up today about how, like, Ken has always been a lesbian, and it went through and ranked, like, the 75 different, like, older versions of Ken, and, and that they are actually all lesbians too, so just, like, Ken is a lesbian. <laughs> Okay, that's valid. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, lots I feel represented. Yes. By, by Ken. By Ken. By Ken and the dad bod that they caught, that they got for him, so. Yep. Uh, He's proto Larry. I think we're good. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> that's very accurate. <laughs> Alright, moving on into some actual geeky news. There has been some shakeups with the standalone Han Solo movie. That's what's coming out, uh, spring yep. of 2018, so not the episode 8 coming in the yeah as of right now it is slotted for may of 2018 that may change so phil lord and chris miller were involved and they're fired they were the directors right yep Mm -hmm. yeah and they've been replaced with ron howard yeah we like ron howard right yeah Yeah. i like what i know about him (laughs) i don't know what the last thing he ever did was he was in Happy Days. Arrested Development? Yeah. Yeah. The, arrested the Han Solo Arrested Development memes today have been amazing. They've been delightful. Like, like the entire movie's just gonna be, like, Han being like, oh, I've got everything under control. He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> if he has a voiceover, oh my gosh. That would be amazing. I, that's what I wanted. That's seriously I all I want in life. Um, so the, <clears throat> the reason Lord and Miller were fired, fired, right? Fired. Yes. Yes, they were fired. Fired. Is because they had creative differences with Kathleen Kennedy and the Lucasfilm Story Group. From what I have been hearing around the Star Wars verse discourse, um, which one of my best friends is like a huge Star Wars nerd, so I usually hear everything. That, um, while Kathleen Kennedy had some disagreements with them, it was actually, um, Kazdan, the, the writer, the script writer. The writer of Empire Strikes yeah, Back. Yeah, like he wrote the script. And because he's the writer of Empire Strikes Back, we should do whatever the fuck he yes. says. Especially with Han Solo. Yep. Go on. Oh my god. Yeah, he wrote- that movie, when, when mm-hmm. Han was just the little puppy running around. Yep. So, <laughs> he wrote the script for the Han Solo movie, and apparently initially he was very on board with Phil Lord and Chris Miller and vouched for them, and then from what the news that's leaking out is, over time, they had a very different vision of the film than he did and since he wrote the script um you know okay but here's the thing they're a few weeks from wrapping up the shooting yep like how bad could these creative differences have been can we talk about the rumor that i heard that a big problem is that amelia clark can't act (laughs) yes i i'm sorry for her kinda i guess but yeah i'm sure she's lovely but yeah I still haven't forgiven her for that glamour interview, but whatever. The rumors that I have heard is that some of the stuff that they were having Han Solo do was, like, Ace Ventura-like. What? Yeah, like... What does that mean? Yeah, like, goofy, absurd, zany, improvisational comedy. Oh my god, that's not Han Solo at all. That's what I have heard. Yeah, they heard of him before. (laughs) Right? I mean, these are the guys who made the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street, though. I'm so confused. Uh. So, yeah. I mean, that seems to be kind of their modus operandi. And that is not a good mm. fit for Han Solo. Oh my no, god, this movie is so good. If, if they ruin Donald Glover as Lando, I will. it's going to take a lot to forgive them because that should not be possible. Right? That should not be possible. <sighs> anyway. 
I know I'm going to see this in theaters, but, like, I feel as though I need to show up to the theater with a fold-out table so I can flip it when Boba Fett shows up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Boba, of course Boba Fett's going to show up, and I... Yeah. I don't know why hey, he's cool. Uh, I don't know. Hey, hey, guys, speaking of Amelia Clark, can we do that transition? <laughs> yes. Yes. You know what the most important news was, and how dare we not start off the <laughs> hour with this? Game of Thrones. About the trailer. Game of Thrones released a second trailer. Oh my god! Oh, wow. No, I mean, like all things being equal, this trailer was actually good looking. Yeah. Yeah, of course it's good. It was. It, it was a very good trailer, but now it's like Emma Woodhouse the- is always good looking. <laughs> you know? I- I can't stop looking at Littlefinger and uh, as uh, Grima Wormfinger now because of that shadow oh trailer. My God. We might have and to I, steal that. Grima Wormfinger. And I can't stop I looking at uh, Barrett as Rickety Cricket. Oh my God. I mean, come on. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. <laughs> oh my God, that's so... And the thing is, he lights up his sword with, like, telepathy. He doesn't touch his sword. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. No, here's the thing. Like, I was watching it, and I actually had this out-of-body experience where I was watching it, and I was like, man, it must be really nice to watch this and feel excitement about it. I think there are people that must feel that, right? Well, according to Twitter, <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, my God. According to Twitter, okay, so, like, there are these critics that have these podcasts about it, and people were saying, um, oh, what do you think it means that Sansa says these, uh, the lone wolf dies quote the book the misappropriated book dialogue like what what do you think it means and and uh this uh this writer it's joanna robinson of vanity fair who i actually do respect in a lot of avenues but just not anything she says about game of thrones and she was like oh don't worry we're gonna dive deep into this in in the next podcast that we do like what is there to talk about for an hour i'm sorry it's almost as bad as star wars like (laughs) oh god like it's basically like people dissecting star wars trailers like, and, and like, oh, the the title is the Last Jedi. What does this mean? Let's talk for forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is Jedi plural or singular in this title? Yeah. End conversation. <laughs> um, I do. You know, it was kind of interesting to see Sansa so front and center in the trailer. I guess like mm-hmm. that's something because she's the villain. And you but know, I was just so distracted by that wig. Yeah. I, it looks worse this season. Is it a different why. color? It looks like a different color to me. It looks like they took Natalie Dormer's wig from last year and dyed it red. Because, yeah, it's not the same color as her old hair. Well, she is currently blonde, the actor, Sophie Turner. Well, yeah, so but they could at least... I, you'd think I, with I the budget that they have, they could, like, dye a wig that is the same color as her hair has been for so, six I'm seasons. I'm just so bad because Daenerys' wigs have been improving. <laughs> Maybe they use different wigs every episode with some minor difference that, you know, is very subtle and stor- stor- has some great storytelling involved. Oh, yeah, and we can hear about it on, like, the director's, on the director's commentary <laughs> yeah. about how No one will notice it, but yes, great the, use of resources. The slightly different red actually symbolizes Sansa's autonomy now. It's her moods. She's got mood ring hair! Oh my god, she's hey, got, like, subtle moodering hair. So guys, if you want to hear us theorycraft about the wigs of Game of Thrones, there's another podcast, Unabashed Bookstopper, <laughs> that Joy and I <laughs> You can read up all about it there. Yep. Uh, but let's move on. Actually, let's not move completely on. Remember Talisa from Game of Thrones? She was fine. I mean, the actress fine. Yeah, the chaplain's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. She- I think you have the hots for her. Yes. How do you not? Maybe. Have you seen her? <laughs> I don't know, I think her face is kind of horsey. Like, she's, like, <laughs> go she'd to be a good cast room. for, like, book Aria. I'm in my room. Ugh. Julia, I like, don't know what she, to do the, with you. I could see her playing a girl She would be a good up. cast for book yeah, Aria. Yeah, I think she could 
she would have been nice as um and of course my brain is drawing a blank ned's sister liana uh, that one that actually <laughs> um, might have been okay <laughs> wait hey why are we talking about her and her horse oh. face uh yeah yeah so she is going to be she signed on for the Avatar sequels the ones with the blue dudes and not the one that we like but she's yay <laughs> go in a chaplain I guess you'll you'll be good I feel bad because those movies probably aren't gonna happen well it's James Cameron <laughs> he's got so yeah, much happen money in 10 years, don't worry. he can just like throw all the money at it for is it years. like one of them kind of right around the corner or am I or am I just making this up. <laughs> I've been hearing a lot about one, but I don't know. I have no Who's idea. under the sea? I don't know. I, I really just want How to Train Your Dragon 3 to come out before it. That's my that's my wish. Uh, All right. Staying on... Let's do HBO, because we're talking about HBO, right? Right. Kind of. There are some spinoffs, and the first one is going to be on HBO, helmed by David Lindelof, and it's going to be a Watchmen TV series. Yeah, you don't like him. I don't like him. He he did Lost. I really I re- and the leftovers. I really which, think the leftovers would change your mind. Yes, yeah, really I keep plugging this. Look, I just I can't get over Lost. I can't get over it. I only watched the first season back when it was good. <laughs> so, Bo, you, well, it was good until the end when it turned out it made no sense. I don't know. Season six was spotty, but Bo, you you've watched the leftovers, right? Yes. And you yeah, and claim gonna, that yeah, will make get, you feel be- good about Lindelof. Yes, absolutely. I'll say this about The Leftovers. It's not like the subject matter and the style won't appeal to everyone, but the actual show itself is just phenomenal. So I, I didn't watch it for years because of that, because of him. So, And I totally regret it now. So you are a convert. That's that's interesting. Yes. That's, that's actually a pretty strong endorsement. It is, yeah. Because like there's some yeah, Bo has very good taste. There's some Michiganists <clears throat> who think that the lost ending was dramatically satisfying. So I don't know what to do with that. Uh, <sighs> uh. I think we're actually going to have a piece uh, Wednesday on our site about that by Katie. I'm very curious to hear what she has to say because she's been trying to defend it to me for a while. Oh, <laughs> and she got me. She got me on the leftovers. So interesting. Yeah, we're we're determined here. We're going to make everyone watch this. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you leftovers, but I will not compromise on my feelings about Lost. Not a little bit. Uh, well, don't say that until you've read Katie's piece. No. <laughs> never changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Good point, Julia. Fine. Uh, speaking of spinoffs that yeah. people may not have ever asked for. Um, There's so many. <laughs> Fantastic Four is making it. Uh. Someone's still trying to make that happen. Um, this time with the children of Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Jesus Woman. Christ, why not? Why? <laughs> why not? Probably, I don't know. Maybe their licensing will run out if they don't make another one. So they just have to keep making them so that they, I don't know. Is there anyone who really likes this franchise? I don't. <laughs> no. None of us, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know, Horatio Hornblower was in one of the versions. Yeah, really Silver Surfer, right? Hmm. But... I don't think Marvel would even want it back at this point. It's toxic. <laughs> yeah. I just, out of all the, like, quartets that you can have, like, just watch, you know, watch the original Avatar season two or something. Like, just yeah. watch something with people having superpowers that's good. True. I just don't get it. Uh, oh, hey, another spinoff no one wants <laughs> is the CW is going to have a Supernatural spinoff. Is Supernatural still around? Yeah. 
WTF. I don't know. But it's called The Wayward Sisters, and it's about girls who fight demons. Well, I guess maybe the rampant misogyny of the show will be toned down then. Yep. Hopefully? I mean, I would hope so, but I mean, (laughs) I don't, I don't know. Oh, God. There is also a fourth triple X movie in the works. I somehow missed two and three, but there's a fourth one. <laughs> yeah. Again, things that, like, this is, who, yeah. who is asking for these? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel alone. <laughs> That's true. He's, I'm not even joking. He throws the money at it. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the timer if you want to talk about Eddie Elliott. Oh, no. We do. Other thing, real quickly, before we get to the Ali Adler news, um, in terms of exciting things happening, uh, Black Panther. Um, oh my god, I'm so hyped. I'm so hyped for that movie. So, singer, um, songwriter, actor, Nabia Bay, I think is how you pronounce her name. That's how I've heard it, yeah. Um, is going to be playing Nightshade, aka Tilda Johnson, and one of the villains. Oh, cool. So, um, in the comics, she's a biochemist and has, like, a penchant for lycanthropy and has, like, a pack of wolves that follow her around. I don't know if that's going to be in the movie, but the idea behind it sounds pretty badass. (laughs) You had me at biochemist. Right. So, yeah. Like, let's be honest here. Everything. That sounds awesome. Everything coming out about this movie just makes me so excited. It's going to be so good. Yeah. So the last piece of news, I know that we talk about Supergirl a lot on this, uh, on this podcast. And it's been, yeah, like three weeks since our last episode. So we did get official confirmation that Allie Adler is going to be stepping down as the executive product- producer, sorry, for season three. And she's going to be like doing some Allie Adler thing over on CBS new projects. Uh, she's going to consult on the Dynasty reboot, which I didn't know existed. Yep. Another thing that nobody asked for? Yeah, again. <laughs> More reboots. Um, and but maybe gonna... maybe her reboot will be good. You yeah. never know. And she's going to remain on Supergirl as an executive consultant, quote-unquote, which means literally nothing. Um, yeah, it, it probably just means that she developed, like, stories and ideas that they still want to use for season three. Yeah. Um, because if, if her work is in any way involved with what they go with moving forward, she has to have credit. Um, and Gretchen, who are the two producers that stepped up? I never um, remember. Jessica Queller and Robert Rovner. They are okay. coming on as executive producers and I think co-showrunners as well now. They were credited with a couple episodes writing, right? Yes. I know Which... Jessica Queller, I think, did Mr. Mitzi Spitlick. Oh, the God. I mean, sorry, that was wonderful. Yeah, she did a couple <laughs> others, but, like, that's the one that I remember because I just, I remember watching it and Is being... Is that how you pronounce it? Mitzi yeah. Spitlick? Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> but that, that's close. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, did about as well as Melissa as Melissa Benoist did throughout that episode <laughs> pronouncing it. <laughs> Sorry, uh, she just like she had so it. much trouble saying it, which is she, fine. She said it differently pretty much every take. Yeah. Um but no, the the thing is about writing credits. I'm of the opinion that with most writers' rooms, it's really not as like you did this episode and you did this episode. Like that split right. isn't quite mm-hmm. so clean. And it's probably not as copacetic as uh, Julie. No. Well, first of all, the size of the Supergirl writers' room, we're talking about, like, a mega polyfusion here. (laughs) (laughs) There's, like, 20 different voices in the room based on the credits. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, you know, Gretchen and I kind of suspected this had happened mid-season two. Just there is a lot that makes sense with this news coming out and having that confirmation. You know, it's, it's a little... Uh, disappointing, frankly. I, I'm a fan of Valley Adler's. So, yep. 
We have no idea what it means in terms of, like, direction for the show or whatever. We'll have to uh, wait and see on uh, that. But Considering what happened over the second half, I have no idea. But just considering what happened over the second half, it makes me wary. Yes. Yeah, it's just, there's a lot of not good planning from what I can tell. So it's possible that they like really hunker down. The shakeups are done. They're used to being on CW now, and maybe they can write a really tight third season. That's, that's my hope for the show because, you know, Car Danvers is such a great character to have on screen. Right. But we'll see. We'll see. Yep. Uh, so, yep, that's confirmed. Uh, Gretchen and I are going to have a piece that kind of talks about season two a little holistically. Mm-hmm. And I'm not totally pushing forward for a title that is a fallout boy pun. It's fine. <laughs> That's so. a lie. She totally is. It's, it's yeah, fun. we got that. Thanks, <laughs> Just being clear. Uh, but yeah, you know, th- I'm sorry to have ended the news on such a melancholy note. However, things are about to get a lot happier here because <laughs> we're going to talk about some faves after the music. Everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Okay, so um, I am what they call a poodle. So I can never, I can never keep up with shows while they're airing. I don't know what it is, unless it's like Game of Thrones and I have to. Uh, <laughs> I just gotta like get off track. So usually, what I do with a show I like is that like I'll like binge it after it's over. And so that was my plan with Black Sales. I couldn't keep up, so she's like, "It's fine. When the season's over, I'll watch it. Like you know, over a weekend, I'll make popcorn. It'll be great." And nope, I knew. Something happened in the middle of the season. I'm sorry. And I did, yeah, I didn't want to know what it was. And so, um, I basically avoided watching the fourth season for how long? Yeah, I don't know. You binged all of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend instead, so a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I finally, because of, like, Bo-related guilt, basically, (laughs) I was forced to watch it. Because, like, Gretchen, Gretchen and Kylie were like, we want to record with Bo. Bo's so great. We want to record with him. That's so, a direct quote, yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to watch it, and oh my god, am I happy I did? Because it's the best. Yeah. It's the best, you guys. Objectively. Yeah. Objectively. Like, okay, so true. basically, if you've never seen Black Sails, it's a show mm-hmm. about pirates that is full of gore, it's full of sex, it's full of violence, it's full of people swearing... And simultaneously, it's also a giant middle finger to the entire concept of toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, holds up a lens, sort of, in a way that A Song of Ice and Fire does, you know? Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, here's the setting, but the point of the setting isn't just to say, wow, look at the setting. It's, <laughs> it, there, there's, like, and a message. Yeah. Just, like, I know Kylie was probably internally screaming, because I just wrote a piece about, like, Grimdark when it, uh, after we heard that Sense8 was cancelled and I was depressed about it. And she was probably screaming the whole time that I had to watch Black Sails because, like, mm-hmm. by probably you mean you have vivid memories of me screaming at you, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I repressed those. But so basically, like, the moral of the story is that, like, living a normal life, you know, being with somebody you love, just like you know, having a kind of very quiet kind of happiness, is way more important than saving the world. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which seems and so that's trite. the moral of this this uber violent show about pirates. Yep, and it's like you, I think that's beautiful. You can opt to save the world. You can do that, and yeah. that's very noble. But it's absolutely you probably not, won't have that normal life with the person you love. It's not cowardly yeah. or bad mm-hmm. to 
Exactly. Have that normal life, you know. And ultimately, the whole reason they were the whole reason they were fighting was because of people they love. So right. that was always the driving force. Wait, and, if and fighting like, to have a normal life with someone yes. that they love. They like cared well, about like, people, and, like, and there was empathy, and and they wanted to make things good for that reason. Yeah. Well, the thing is that like all these characters had a reason to hate the system because it wouldn't let them live that life. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's a, it's a show that, I mean, as you mentioned, like a big middle finger to toxic masculinity, like, uh, like there's, it, you watch it and you're like, what, what even are gender roles? Like <laughs> on this, this show, this show that's set in the 18th century, like early 18th mm-hmm. century, like 1700s in Jamaica. Um, in and, Barbados. In Bar- in the Bahamas, in the Bahamas. Or Bahamas, sorry. right, right, sorry. Yeah. Like, in the Bahamas, and, like, they're, like, what are gender roles? Yeah, you know, I think it's kind of cool, because they're pirates, but they they use, Mm -hmm. it's that sort of, like, anti-establishment pirate vibe Mm -hmm. to deconstruct, like you were saying, gender roles in that specific way. And in a rather thorough way, I don't think I've seen on a lot of other programs, aside from, like, Korra and Steven Universe, you know? Uh It definitely has, it definitely has, like, things in common with Korra in that regard. Just, like, the whole thing, like, um... It's actually a, a funny thing that it's like a meme that's been floating around Tumblr for a while, uh, where it's a comment, like apparently a real comment from Reddit or something, um, a former fan of the show, I suppose, complaining that the show tricked him into liking a bisexual character. <laughs> the scandal. Oh yeah, God. because like one of the main protagonists is a bisexual man, and it's not it's not explicitly clear until the second season that that is the case. Shockingly, the redditor assumed that meant he was gay, but you know, right. yeah. Well, bisexually, let's, right let's not touch that hornet's nest, please. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, Captain Flint is a is a bi man, and he's also mm-hmm. like your most. He's also like stereotypically yeah, masculine. He's the manliest man who ever manned. Yeah, he he really and, is. But then you have you have Jack Rackham, who is by every indication straight, he's and is coded like, so not straight. Yeah, he is coded. Yeah, he is flaming. He is a flaming heterosexual. I, I yeah. had cat in him as bisexual, but yeah, as far mm-hmm. as we know, I mean, you could, yeah. but like, there's like he's definitely not bisexual the same way Flint is, you know. And he's just yeah. so 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 fine with his like girlfriend yeah. being the one who's you know fucking everyone he's up. He's so, so fine with his, his his cool little like facial hair thing going on and his <laughs> cool little jackets. <laughs> his very fine hats. Oh my gosh. Yes, awesome. His glasses. His, okay, no, I'm sorry. The Jack Rackham sunglasses are one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> I actually had to look up whether or not sunglasses had been existed back then because I was like, this looks like... Come on, come on. I was just like, this looks like bullshit. There's no way that he had sunglasses but apparently they were real. But yeah, you know, it, like, gender roles and certainly conventional sexuality, like, yes. that stuff is just kind of eschewed by these people who are also fighting against civilization at times i mean mm-hmm. max and eleanor would try to reform and work within the system here and there right when they thought they could mm-hmm. and that was kind of a big tension too was can you reform it or do you have to be this like completely outside factor like the pirates and sort of take it on like that and it's interesting because they were both queer women yep. in that role Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of, it, it's sort of, oh, God, there's actually the implication, right? Because Eleanor ends up 
with the man and then that's sort of what her downfall is is like being in this straight relationship well i mean it wouldn't be a straight relationship because she's bi but you know i'm saying being in a relationship with a man who is england establishment right yeah and that Mm -hmm. leads to her downfall whereas max like piss like just gives everyone the middle finger and then it's like they want me to marry and i can then elicit change and i'm not going to do that even if it would just be in like in name only because i love this woman and i'm not Mm -hmm. going to position myself to like ever be against her and then she gets everything she wants she gets everything she wants honestly the whole show at times it just especially in retrospect it almost feels because there's so many yeah bi characters and pansexual characters it honestly feels just like a giant you know that that specifically fighting against the forces that are keeping them down and Mm -hmm. it just honestly feels like the whole point of the show yeah well everything like everything about the show is kind of like it's very a very thematically tight show yep it really is and like these like different systems of season two is one of the best planned seasons of television i've ever seen well um just it's a very intersectional show i was going to say just because like you have all these different systems of oppression that are Mm. kind of like coming together to make the same point right and you know the the whole like uh you know the um is there a name for the system of oppression that queer people face homophobia yeah that would be homophobia joy (laughs) that would be homophobia i don't know but just uh, it, it didn't seem like a broad enough term, I guess. Uh, like homophobia and like also slavery and patriarchy and uh, like, you know, the class system. They're all kind of like coming together into this like big coherently thematic whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. And also all pirates are bi and we should just accept yep. this is true. Yep. All of them. And get the sticker from our store. Yes, yes. Plug our merch. We, we have a sticker, sticker that says that. It's, it's just, a, yeah. uh, pirates and aliens and what was... And people in space. And people in space. So, yeah. like, all the characters in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, uh, so there's three reasons why um, Jack Harkness is definitely pansy. Because <laughs> 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 he is a pirate, an alien, and a person in space. So, yeah. Okay. Let's... let's go around the group and talk about what our favorite aspects were because otherwise we're just going to keep randomly gushing i think yeah well and that would that would give us a chance to talk about like ways in which like maybe our particular favorite aspect or character was like corrected over the course of the season okay. like sure okay so you guys don't know this but we actually planned ahead of time and we all have different aspects to <laughs> <laughs> so Bo, you are our special guest why don't you begin okay well I honestly, I know not everyone here agrees. I think, I think Julia did, and I was actually surprised by that because <laughs> Kylie was like, "Oh no, what happens to Eleanor? She's gonna." Hate it. I know, but yeah, but I was honestly surprised after what happened to Eleanor and where the season had gone up to that point. It really felt like it was regressing back to where season one felt at times, where it was mm-hmm. trying really hard to copy. Game of Thrones and just grim dark shows, and mm-hmm. then they just—I'm really surprised how not only did they make me like understand and like Eleanor with Wood Rogers, but then when Eleanor died, how they rebounded from that and actually made it plausible why she like I, maybe you still don't buy that she had to exit the show for the ending to work the way it did, but I could see how it maybe she did. Yeah, yeah. I think. Julia made a case for it last night where she said the ending that they had, it was hard to see a place for her. Yeah. Right. I can't see how Max ends up where she does. And it feels like they basically 
hit a reset. Like, for people who, like, I, I hate this, but there's so much it's too happy as yeah. a criticism of it. I, I think a lot of that's not really taken into account that this was not really a, a huge victory. I mean, for some mm-hmm. characters it was, but it's a very short-term thing. And like right. we were talking about earlier about it's about having a normal life while you can have it because we know what happens to some of these characters down the line, you know? Right. Yeah. And we also know what happens in history. So, um, like... My only real problem is why did they make her pregnant? Yes. Like, what was the yeah, that? Yeah. What did that, what did yeah. that add, honestly? I, yeah. I feel like what they... See, my impression was that that was what shifted her mentality. That's, was that finding okay. finding That's out she great. was finding out she was pregnant was what helped I think she was already going in that direction because she had found, finally I think finally found happiness with Woods Rogers in a way she hadn't found with any of the other her any of her other love interests but I think yeah. finding out she was pregnant was what sealed the deal of I I just want a happy life like mm-hmm. I may not be able to Which see is, hey, pretty thematically coherent Yeah like I may not be able to see like the the wholesale, like, I may not get to see civilization arrive in, um, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm totally uh, blanking uh, on the name. Um, I may not be able to get to see, like, civilization rule, but, like, I can at least, like, go back with my husband and our child and have a happy life. Yeah. You know, like, I would, I think I would have been okay with that, and I could sort of accept that too, Gretchen. But what I wasn't okay with was how contrived her death was. Yes. And, like, yeah, I, I the wandering rapist. Yeah. God. Yeah. And, like, Maddie's bodyguard just happens to leave so they can bond. Right. And he doesn't come back when they start screaming. Oh my <laughs> okay. gosh. Um, I'm actually going to be talking, I'm inspired by the conversation that we all had last night. Um, <laughs> that we, that you guys don't get to hear. Um, well, like, I was already thinking of doing a piece on, um, a character called Vale from Into the Badlands, and oh. who is another mother figure who dies at the end of the season that, well, she dies at the end of the, the most recent season. So I'm actually going to be talking about the compares, like, comparing and contrasting how each of the shows handled, like, these two female characters who huh. were both, like, mothers and both died um but yeah one of the things was like eleanor's death is fairly contrived like there are ways that that could have been executed that would have made more sense in the context of the show and wouldn't have had to throw in the like oh is maddie also dead like, yeah, that was just mean. We I just, mean, I, I had a very tough half hour there. We, yeah, you know, and, and for those of us who weren't watching it all in a row, you know, and had a week in between, there was that, that mid-season point, that was episode six. Episode three, I think, was the keel-hauling episode. Ooh. Episode four was when Anne got sliced up to bits. And, like, episode five, she had been missing. Like, there was there was that good, like, month. It was. It was week after week. Yeah. And it just felt like it was going in a no, like bad the kill hauling especially was just like yeah. I couldn't watch it. Like if it was a different like if it like if Game of Thrones did that, like you know, like there's this like we talk a lot about how like you certain shows have the better of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Black Sales ever lost that. I'm not sure if it did if you're watching it week by week, but um I couldn't watch it. I could tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. But like that was just so and like I'm not convinced it was entirely necessary. Yeah, I never no, full like like they're like I can yeah. see the point they were trying to make with the whole thing with like uh, Woods Rogers and like how he claims to be a personification of civilization and everything, but still it was just like, do I have to watch this whole thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The vom factor is real, honestly. <laughs> yeah, because that was a good like four minutes. 
Mm-hmm. That's they really should have cut. It. They really should have cut away after the first and came back later. I don't know. Yeah. Something I don't know. Yeah, that might have been a little cheesy. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I just watching the whole thing. It, not only was it just gross, it, it was you just spend that whole time asking yourself why, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure the answer was worth it. Yeah, you you know what I, also I, I like. I, yeah, I do agree with Bo that I like Woods Rogers as a character. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Uh, I think I have trouble with too, because I do agree that Eleanor's death fit in the context of the overarching show. But if you just look at her arc, it's kind of shitty. Yeah, I have feelings about that. Because yeah, because it's like she tries to elicit all this change. She really she makes flawed decisions, but it's the best decisions she can make with the information she has and what she feels she has to do. And then she ends up like finding what she thinks is happiness, and oops, he's an asshole, and she's dead. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's all because it was her baby. So was her unborn child that she was trying to protect. Yeah. And how many times did I message you while I was watching people who just listen to Eleanor? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, just, it's just that arc as a whole I don't love, but you're totally right that thematically and in the context it makes sense, but she was one of our fucking protagonists since, you know, the first yeah. episode, right? It was right. her and Flint basically drove everything for three seasons. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I understand that the overarching point was supposed to be about Silver and kind of like Silver versus Flint, but it didn't feel like that at no. all. I I will admit I never had any strong emotional connection to the Long John Silver, like literally ever. Yeah, me either, actually. No, I mean, because Maddie likes him, like I kind of like him. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about him. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I didn't like, like him until I saw his uh, Tumblr and I saw that he's like totally bought into this Silver Flint. He pushed that and trolled people so hard, and I like him for it. So you like the actor? actor? I didn't know that at all. I have feelings about Silver Flint, but uh, as the token straight of the group, I don't think I'm allowed to articulate them. Well, let's just not touch it. Let's yeah. Not touch yeah. <laughs> Kylie, you want to talk about? I mean, you talked a little bit about your mid-season anxiety. Oh but... yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, Anne. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's also just like absolutely hands down. Anne is my favorite character on the show. I love Maddie. I adore Maddie. You'll hear uh, Julia go off about Maddie for a while, but Anne, I don't know what it is. She just completely like grabbed me by the heartstrings. I mean, it, come on, you know what it is. You wrote a whole piece about okay, it. Okay, I do. Yeah, it's <laughs> that she she has a tragic backstory, but it's never like an excuse for anything. She just legitimately has a tragic backstory, and she's deeply troubled. And the narrative doesn't try to disguise it, doesn't try to excuse it. She like fucking murders people. She's like clearly troubled, but then she has this like. It's it's this like anxiety about how who the hell even am I? Where do I fit in this world? What is my life if I'm not defining myself through this relationship with Jack and like mm-hmm. all that? And it really got explored pretty deeply in season two when she was also realizing her sexuality and coming into that. Um, and then in season three, she kind of ended up being in a place where it was more like. You know, she was, she was like in a domestic marriage with Max, basically. Yeah, And much. to the point where Jack was calling Max her husband to piss her off. It was adorable. But then she also wanted to like get out and beat the game. That was her, that was her goal. Like, mm-hmm. come on, we beat the fucking game. What are we doing? And Jack was all like, oh, I have to. Legacy. Live, I have to live forever. Make my name. Yeah. yeah. I have to make my name. Yeah. I just love it because she. I have to avenge Charles Bane. And she was just always thinking, like, this is fucking stupid, but okay, mm-hmm. like, we'll do this. Remember the guy who kept on losing his axle of gold? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. God. 
Uh-huh. But yeah, no, I, I just think that it's a tragic backstory done well, because I don't see anyone making excuses for her. And, and like, even in the narrative, you know, Max helps her, but she doesn't excuse anything. She's like, here's why she did this. And how would you feel, Adele, if you had just been like, you know, cast aside and whatnot. But she's never like, therefore, it's totally fine. It's still a problem. It's more just like, uh, I'm still going to protect her anyway, because I can sympathize with her. And just those like, few moments when Anne softens. It's uh, like, I don't know if it's just, like, uh, Clara Paget's performance, but you just, like, melt. It's, oh my god. I, yeah, I can't, I can't deal with her. I have such strong feelings. And then I was, I was convinced. I was 100% convinced Anne Bonnie was gonna die. I thought Jack Rackham was gonna die. Any pirate with a historical name I thought was dead. Yeah, well, Jack Rackham historically definitely should have died. Yeah, well, and then, uh, <laughs> the, the, the history of that, by the way, is that Anne, um, pretended to be pregnant so that she didn't have to hang. So basically Jack and his crew all got drunk below when they like got boarded and only Anne and Mary Reed fought and then they all got captured. Anne and Mary both said they were pregnant. And then when Jack was being like led to the noose, apparently Anne's last words for, were, to him were, you should have fought like a man so you wouldn't be hanged like a dog. <laughs> I can totally like, believe show Anne saying that though. And then there's like thin evidence that Anne like ended up on a plantation in the new world with like a husband and eight babies and she lived into her 90s. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'm pretty sure Mary Reed uh, died in prison or something like that. Yeah, she di- and they think it was from um, fever due to childbirth. So yeah. Mary yeah. Reed actually was pregnant. But uh, and, for th- and for those of you who don't realize, Mary Reed was in the finale. Yeah, yes. the, the character who calls themselves Mark Reed and enters the ship and Anne totally checks them out. Is yes. That was such fan service, <laughs> and yeah. I just—I'm not even—I'm yeah. not even mad. Yeah, Mary Reed spent the last four years going. I wonder when Mary Reed is going to show up. I wonder when Mary Reed is going to show up. So, well, yeah, it was at a—it was at a point where I thought that Max was going to fill that because I was still thinking it was going for the worst possible ending, and I assumed once Max turned down Eleanor's grandmother that. They were going to fill that role and end up in prison in Philadelphia, even though I'm pretty sure that's not where they were. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Oh, I could have seen Yeah, I didn't even think yeah, of that. Well, Jack Rackham and uh, Charles Maine were hanged in Kingston, Jamaica, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're there. Well, whatever. You know, out of all the times to not commit to historical accuracy, this was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Because seriously, they're not even really the historical characters. Like, these showrunners, no, they wanted to write pre-canon fic to be feeder into Treasure Island, and they wanted to have a good time with it, so they used names that people know, like Charles Vane and Edward Teach and uh, and Bonnie, you know? Like, yep. yeah. That's what they did. They were just writing, like, yeah, it was fanfic. Yeah. I mean, they're basically original characters who share the same name as people who actually lived at one point or another. Because if you yeah, write it's, about it's like pirates, the characters in write... Game of Thrones, but in a good way. Yeah, like right. if you're writing about pirates, you write about <laughs> Anne fucking Bonnie. That's what yeah. you do. So right. yeah, she was hands down my favorite, and oh uh, yeah, we'll, we'll link my piece, and uh, we'll just I'll kick it to Julia to talk about Maddie. Oh Maddie, I'm so excited. I love her so much. Okay, so she doesn't show up actually until the third season. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I remember saying to Kylie when uh, I had watched the first season is. I'm concerned that they're glossing over slavery. And it's not as though, like, they ever ignored slavery or, like, pretended it wasn't there or tried to whitewash it. It's just that, like, in this setting, which is the Bahamas, like, circa 1715, like, slavery was omnipresent, you know? Like, most of the people there were slaves. It was the foundation of the economy. And, like, I didn't think the few kind of flashes of addressing the situation of slavery was enough 
But, yeah. uh, like several things, God did the show improve because by the fourth season, um, like the conflict, uh, over slavery is basically the central, like external conflict of the entire show. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's it's like like I said it's 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 kind of bundled into a lot of kind of intersectional systems of oppression that they're revolting against, but like externally it's like a slave revolt that they're trying to ferment, uh, which is a good way to so pay us in the Caribbean because like basically everyone there was a slave, um, mm-hmm. and Maddie is this character who is kind of um, the like ruler I suppose at this point of a maroon camp, and to put on my teacher hat, maroons were <laughs> uh, enslaved people who had like escaped from wherever they were enslaved and kind of set up settlements kind of outside outside of any kind of system of control and a lot like in Jamaica in like you know Haiti they were really they were really like the bane of the colonial government for a very long time and a lot of their descendants are actually still living in those kind of settlements today it's very interesting maroons yeah but um Maddie <laughs> is what we call a dutiful princess. <laughs> Not only that, she is probably the most dutiful princessy dutiful princess I have yet come she, across. She out Martells the Martells. She yeah. definitely out Martells. Yeah, like, she's just, like, so, like, it, it's as though the writers had, like, you know, read our pieces about dutiful princesses and then just wrote this character. <laughs> yep. And, I'm sure um, that's what happened, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, for sure. But, uh, so, um... She's kind of, like, really invested in this idea of, like, a Caribbean-wide slave revolt and what will that will, that will mean, like, you know, a consequence for people in her own experience with slavery. And she's also kind of in this relationship with Long John Silver, who's really, I think, in the end, the protagonist of the series. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree with that. I think that's... I, he was supposed to be, I think, but it didn't... Right. I don't know. It was focused so much on Flint. Yeah, that yeah. It just felt more about him. Well, Flint was just such a magnetic kind of personality. That right. Is, yeah, but... um, And, like, she's kind of, like, a foil to Long John Silver in a way because he's so focused on that kind of, like, you know, gaining that normal life that he so craves, and she's so focused on... Like, you know, choosing, choosing the path of a revolutionary and sacrificing that. Like, she literally, there's, there's this scene where she's, where she's literally told, like, if you compromise on this whole war thing, we will, you know, give you your boyfriend and you can live a long, happy life. And she's like, no. Yeah, it's like the Fugitive Slave Act that there was the compromise. Yeah, well, basically that was like the, like, that's basically what the, like, that's basically how all Maroon Wars ended, but, um, Mm -hmm. um, Although they never really, like, held up that fugitive slave part of the bargain, like, yeah, ever. No. But, <laughs> like, why the fuck would they, seriously? But, uh, <laughs> slavery is kind of a big deal. Yes. <laughs> but, um, it just, um, she's, she's such an effective kind of, like, representation of that mindset. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a sympathetic representation of that mindset, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think it would have been so easy to demonize her, basically, for throwing the love of her life under a bus like that. Right. And, like, also just, like, you know, portraying her as some kind of, you know, unhinged fanatic or anything like that. And, like, even Flint has that, like, you know, like, it, it would have been very easy to portray him that way, too. Mm. But that's that's a line that's always very, very skillfully, I think, walked for the entire series. Because, like, you know, he can be a little intense, but... On the other hand, it's not as though his, like, you know, grievances are unreasonable. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And that, you have, yeah. 
that's the magic of the show, like the entire yeah. show. Yeah. You have all these systems that are just so like fucking oppressive and they're so they're so crushingly like oppression is always crushing, but it's just like it's like, you know, you you have this like kind of paradise, this new world that people come to who want to build something new, but there's all this baggage. And of course slavery is the most extreme form of that. Like it, it's like the most like when you talk about being trapped in a system, there's nothing more extreme than slavery. Mm-hmm. But like also, also, you know, the class system and also the patriarchy and also heteronormativity. And I don't, Maddie kind of exemplifies several of those intersections. Like, you know, the, the slavery thing is the most obvious one, but also kind of like the way that she's, she kind of wields power as a woman is also like, it's, it's never explicit. Like her gender is never an issue, an issue. But like she does, she does always have that kind of softer exercise of power that we, like women always have to have. And I just love her. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can talk about her for hours, but I just love her. I just like um, what 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 kills Joya, and we'll link her piece on Dutiful Princesses. Is the moments where you can mm-hmm. see that she has feelings, but she's mm-hmm. also trying to not have feelings because she thinks her feelings aren't important and they're kind of inconvenient. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, the scene where she's looking for John Silver, did he make it out of the wreck? And you can see, like, the heartbreak on her face, mm-hmm. but she won't let you know it. Yeah, she's just like, oh, well, I guess he died. Lots of other people died, too. I guess we should move on. That actress had the best facial expressions, I <laughs> oh swear. Oh, my gosh. She's yeah, phenomenal. Unfortunately, apparently, she said some homophobic things in Aww. like real life. So, yeah, it makes because uh, I, I mean, I don't know how she survived on the show having any kind of homophobic thoughts, but okay, yeah, yeah that does make sense. But uh, well. that that's like the one thing that I remember being like, oh, I just want to like stand this lady. I'm so sad now. <laughs> but I mean, her performance was like unquestionably phenomenal. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She, she has a few pretty epic monologues. She does. And that scene at the end of season three where they all come to the table. Well, yeah, okay. That was, I was actually going to mention oh that because you said John Silver's our protagonist. And, but, mm-hmm. and the end of that season was obviously supposed to be like long John Silver. But then yeah. like it shows them all gathering around the table and she's the one who sits down first and mm-hmm. is like leading the tone of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. she kind of sort of like usurped her mother, kind of. Yeah. So. Well, her mom was a, a little unbalanced. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, sorry, Joy, I think we have to move on because we're over time now. So. I mean, I can teach you more about the history of Jamaica. <laughs> How about if we talk to Gretchen about her favorite? So, uh, my favorite is Max. Oh, mm. yes. Um, I, I honestly don't know what it was, but like the moment she was on screen, like that first scene she had with Eleanor, I had like, a I, yeah, it was like, I, I know who this is. I, yep, yep, I'm gonna love her. And I loved Eleanor too. And like, that's one of the things that I thought, except for the moment, I mean, one of the things the show did really poorly in the first season, as it was trying too hard to be Game of Thrones, um, (laughs) well, I mean, it was, was like, the very unfortunate, like, gang raping of Max, um, and then like having her stay around the camp, and making that choice and like um not to like it was just a weird it was a weird thing because it like it bordered on victim blaming and like all of it seemed to be to drive like eleanor's like emotional like arc and like that just at least she was raped to further the arc of a woman 
and, and, and Anne to a degree, actually. No, yeah, because Anne had to, as we find out more about Anne's backstory in season two, like, we can retrospectively look, look back at season one and be like, oh, okay, you can kind of see that they were trying to yeah. draw, like, pull on, like, Anne's sympathies and, like, where's, what's her breaking point? How much is she going to be willing to watch, like, the, the abuse of another woman? Yeah, you know, I'll actually, I'll what I wrote on season one on this, this specific Max thing, because it, it is confusing, Gretchen, you're right, where it's like, it's hedging on victim blaming, and it's kind of to drive this, like, weird drama, but then, as Joey was saying, it is taking into account the point of views of women, but right. then the point of view that was really missing was Max's, but then right. Max is also a character that would canonically swallow her own suffering. Yeah, and so, she's like, the only yeah. one of the three who's a woman of color, which, right. you know, which is, oh. and she's a sex worker, and... Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's just bad implications, and it it's confusing. I'm still confused about it, but... Yeah, uh, um, yeah I'm still confused about that orgy scene in the brothel in the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, it was especially weird because of how important Max ended up being that she was so yes. backgrounded within that story. It well, and didn't I, quite fit. Well, and to me, like that's evidence that they that they're like that's to me that's evidence of course correction. Like yes. they they made a conscious decision to to integrate Max in the narrative more strongly. I think because they realized how important of a character she could be. Um. I mean, you can see the same thing happening, evolving in her relationship with Anne, which I think is was another, like, I mean, I binged the show, but, like, the first couple of episodes of season two, when um, when Max started protecting Anne, like, my instinct was like, oh, is she just trying to be manipulative? Like, is this, like... And yes, she was. <laughs> and she was. And then instead of following through on that, like, they, like, veer left. So to me, like, like Max, one, is the most compelling character to me. Um, I mean, one, because she's an INFJ, and I just love all INFJs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder what Maddie is. <laughs> I wonder. Um, but also, because, like, she's a very, like, she's, she's empathy, like, she leads with, like, her intelligence and her intuition and her empathy. Like, she's, in almost any scene, she's probably the smartest person in the room. Oh, yeah. Um, and she always has that, like, rejoicing. Did she have any scenes with Maddie? Where it's like, um, <laughs> I would be very afraid if we do something for fear of appearing weak. Like, shit like that. Yeah. Like, she's just, like, she's masterful. Like, her ability oh, to, like... I French accent, but yeah. To, like, accomplish things and, like, bend the world to, like, her will, but, like, in a way that never, like... She's not a tyrant. She's just, like, very good at, like, making things happen and... Um, the one thing I will say is that the actor... Uh, I'm not sure what she was doing with that accent. <laughs> yeah, it was it was spotty. Not not quite Haitian, not quite anything. <laughs> I thought she, it was more French. It was French. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, she's she's uh, from well, Saint-Domingue, who was in Haiti yet, but um, yeah, she's supposed to be French. Is it wrong that Jack pulled that off a little better when he made? Fun yeah, of her like she he did? pulled it off way better. And I was so just like, it was like an that. interesting call. <laughs> it actually never bothered me. So yeah. maybe well, that's it didn't just like it was just like the way Max so spoke, but it was just like not French. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I heard that too. Yeah. So anyway, I I loved her a lot, and I loved seeing how they. I think with her story, with her character more than any of the others, you can see them like making conscious like corrections as they're listening to like her as a character and how she interacts with like the other characters in the world. Because I I would not be surprised if she is ended up very different from what they originally imagined her to be. And I think yeah. her more than anyone else, I think you can kind of see that. 
that like she ends up yeah. becoming different. Like I think yeah, she probably I, always would have ended up in power, but I think the route that she would have gotten there, I think initially probably would have looked a lot more like Eleanor than I it actually ended up looking. Right, and, and you know they even had a quote like the, the showrunners gave it a, an interview where they said, you know, just for example, that that aspect of her relationship with Anne was supposed to be cynical, but then they let it take this earnest turn because it just felt right. Right. And and that's the kind of thing you can see. And it's just great because I think, I actually think that happens with INFJ characters a lot. Mm -hmm. Because that's something that definitely happened with Sansa. Well, yeah, it's because they're guided by empathy. So then when you have them bumping up against other characters, it's like, oh, like Asami was supposed to be evil, dudes. And she ended up being So again, so was Sansa. Or not evil. Like Sansa at least was supposed to be like the bitch she holds her sister. Yeah, yeah. And And all three of them. Hey, it's like, I have a type. Um, oh my god. <laughs> I love you, Gretchen. All these three just like powerful female characters who are all like, or have a lot of in common with like traditional feminine coding. I think especially with Max and Sansa have like they're very like. No, Sabi falls in that too. Yeah, like they're, they're coded very traditionally feminine and yet they're like, they're very strong, like powerful characters. Oh my god, Gretchen, Lena Luther. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, oh my god. No, seriously, I do. I have a type. Um, I love- Write about it. (laughs) I want, like, I, I, I could write a whole thing about Max, and I probably will. Um, but that leads us into the last thing that we were gonna talk about, um, which was how fanfic happy, like, that ending was, like, (laughs) where they unburied their gays. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, they literally unburied a gay character to give him a happy ending. Like, who does that? Oh my god. Was that contrived? No! I think that they, I think that they seeded it well. I think they did. I don't know, I kind of called it, like, as soon as they, like, as soon as Max was like, oh, there's this guy with the plantation. That's where Flint's gonna be, Thomas is there. That went right over my head (laughs) when I actually watched it, and then the next day everyone say, wow, he's alive, he's alive! Oh my god, how did I miss that? Oh my gosh! Even or like, if you caught it, is that a bad thing? Like, just let us have. No, it. no, it's not a bad thing. Is it? Is it contrived? Who cares? I don't care. Yeah. No, I don't, care. I don't think it's. Con- I don't think it's contrived because we like they never actually like his death never happened on screen. Yeah. Like people come back from the dead yeah. in this way in movies all the fucking time. Like if, if the death is not on the- screen, you cannot guarantee that it happens. Yeah. And if you, if you look at the show, even though it's supposed to be Silver's story and the ultimately setting up Silver and Flint's you know rivalry going into Treasure Island. So much of it, you start off with Flint and you end with Flint. The okay, whole I've thing never was, read Treasure Island, full disclosure. This is setting them up as rivals. Well, basically... I don't think uh, that turned out as planned. <laughs> Silver absolutely, like... Uh, I guess you could interpret it however you want. I don't remember specifically, but... Um, Silver mocks Flint. He names his parrot after him. He talks pretty bad about him. Like, it's pretty... It's, yeah, suggested he really doesn't like Flint at all. So yeah, there's some, there's some. Yeah, that that didn't that didn't work out. That's <laughs> <laughs> because everyone was so happy and gay. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so like the OT three lived. The, un- oh, the my gays gosh. were unburied. Oh, Bo, uh, you know what? You were actually mentioning this to me last night, but there, because we were talking about Flint, you were talking about a parallel between him and Anne. Well, I just they were my two favorite characters because they just. They, even though their personalities were so different, they really reminded me of how they both just, they're both these balls of constant, like, anger and image and how they, and, and how they were, both ended up in the end, 
I was so happy that they both got that happy ending because they were my favorite <laughs> right. characters. And just, they're so similar. They both have, like, they, they both kind of have the same relationship in the show where uh, Anne has oh. Max and Jack and Flint uh, yeah. has no, I... Thomas and Miranda. And, oh, they, just, they really right. remind me. Yeah, they both got their happy bisexual ending. Yeah. Well, and I can see... I can see what you're going for with, like, something traumatic happens to them that literally shapes their pirate persona. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, they both react basically the same way to, like, right. when um, Thomas gets taken, and then when and then Jack Miranda loses Anne. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like... That's kind of perfect, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they both... Neither of them can imagine themselves outside of a life of violence. I mean, because yeah. that's the whole point, with, like, Silver has to convince... Like, he has to talk Flint out of his... Like, the only way he can talk Flint out of his war is to take away the reason for his war in the first place. Exactly, because, like, yeah. Flint literally cannot imagine himself as a person outside of Captain Flint until he yeah. finds out that Thomas is alive. And same and with Anne. Yeah, and no, that's amazing. That's why I have a problem with the criticisms of that ending, how people think it didn't make sense. Well, what do you mean it didn't make sense? The only reason Captain Flint existed was because Thomas was taken. He thought Thomas was dead. Right. Exactly. No, it's it doesn't make sense. People just think it's too, like, if it's fluffy, it means it's not adult. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well. I wrote a piece about that. Yeah, <laughs> Julia wrote a piece about that. We'll link it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, just watch this show if you're for oh some gosh. reason still listening you to should. us and you haven't. <laughs> yeah. If, if, but, like, it's it just, it's so rewarding. I can't go, wait to go back and rewatch it, honestly, as weird as that Yeah, sounds, absolutely. But. I have to write down some of those monologues. <laughs> yes, one of Flint's near the end was so amazing, mm -hmm. like, so good, about, like, the darkness and, like, the light and the darkness or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, I should yeah. probably rewatch these scenes, because the only thing I've rewatched so far has been, like, the Anne and Max scene in 408, that, like, like keep rewatching, can't stop rewatching. <laughs> when they're holding hands in the snow. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so beautiful. Well, it's just, like, Anne's like, you should get inside, it's freezing. Or don't, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I don't We're have feelings. Yeah, right. I believe oh, we are Anne. so over time. Yeah, we are. All right, all right. We're going to transition into the next happy show, Steven Universe. My goodness, hey, but seducing her was certainly an interesting approach. All right. So for our final segment, we are going to be talking about yet another favorite TV show of ours, and one you've probably heard us mention a whole bunch. Because uh, we were pretty much always caught up on this. And that is Steven Universe. Yay! Or the Crystal Gems. Hey, Gretchen. <laughs> yeah? Give us a mile-high synopsis of what Steven Universe is. <laughs> um, so, Steven Universe is this amazing children's show. Um, It's a cartoon, and it's about this boy named Steven Universe. Makes sense. Um, And... He is a half human, half gem, and gems are these like What's alien. A, yeah. What's alien? A gem? They are. Um, oh so man, I'm how does her do this? How does Ronaldo put it? They're they're sentient polymorphous rocks. Light beams. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're aliens that are like have like a gemstone, and they go by gem names like ruby and sapphire and pearl. Um, yeah, like every ruby is called ruby. Yes. It's like sapphires. Yes. So all of um Steven and his three-ish moms <laughs> um <laughs> Garnet, Amethyst and Pearl um save Earth or protect Earth from other gems from Homeworld who are trying to 
um, do bad things to it. And they, like, fight, like, corrupted monsters and things like that. Anyway, it's a great show. It's mm-hmm. funny. It has really, really good themes, good characters. Talks good representation. About, yes, amazing representation, like, LGBT representation. It's, like it, It's a children's show that... Like another favorite of ours, the Avatar franchise, it handles mm-hmm. sort of lofty subjects with age appropriateness and yes. also like a sincerity that I'd say rivals most adult TV shows. Oh, yes. And Absolutely. it's very, it does so without becoming overly dark. Like it's a very hopeful show. Um, so it balances that kind of like hopeful tone with like being honest, um, about some of the darker things of life, like trauma and PTSD and, like, war criminals and... Yeah. Um, Consent. Yes. Um, mm. Like, slavery. Healthy relationships. Yep. 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 So it does all of these things very well. Um, it's Anyway, if you don't watch it, maybe, maybe you'll tune out for this part. I don't know. But... Um, if, if nothing else, watch it for the soundtrack. I will say, if you oh, start from so the beginning... Good. Cat fingers is an anomaly, and just get yourself to episode twenty, and you'll see what we mean. I like cat fingers. I don't know what you're talking what? about. What? How can you like <laughs> cat fingers? Just weird. You know, even even the uh, Garnet's voice actor, they're asking her like, did anything come out the way like come out differently than how you thought? And she's like, cat fingers. Yeah, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I don't know why everyone. It Fine. was the, it was the body horror. I just don't do well with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Except there's so much. Like, there's actually quite a bit of body horror on the show. And I don't do well with it, but Cat Fingers was deeply disturbing. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it, the fingers were mewing, okay? Uh, so here's the, here's the thing about Steven Universe, is that uh, they very quickly formed a fandom around it, because it does so much cool. There is, yes, LGBT representation and themes explored with that. Uh, so that was another draw. And this fandom has grown into something that uh, some people say mm. with a groan, like, oh, the Steven Universe fandom. Yeah. Like, it's 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 that large. It's and not that- a fandom that seems to match with the show it claims to be a fandom of. Not at all. Yep. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. It's just a very big, very reactive fandom. I don't think it's inherently worse. But... You know, think about, like, how many potential fires could start in a normal fandom, and then, like, multiply that potential by 20. You know, stuff gets energized. Anyway, the thing is, the fandom lately has kind of taken a negative tone towards Steven Universe. I don't understand it. Yeah, so I thought maybe we could talk about a bit about that, especially because there was, like, a, a hiatus where people just could not say a single good thing about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think um, there was, like, a... I suspect it's an Eleanor dying moment, the, you know, throwback, um, with oh. Bismuth. With Bismuth? Bismuth. Yeah. Like, I, I suppose, like, you know, we talk a lot about the benefit of the doubt. I think um, I'm comfortable giving the show the benefit of the doubt and... Like, trusting that they're gonna do something with that, that will make it worthwhile. But, um, yeah, like, at this point, it, like, you know, all things being equal, it was a bit of a misstep. So. I've never been able to find the quote again, but she, I remember Rebecca Sugar gave an interview about this well before the actual episode aired where she said, of course she's gonna be back. It's not, you know, it's not, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't bring her for that only. Yeah, I mean, she was set up for it too. And, you know, Look, I think we can agree that Bismuth being where she was was an interesting call narratively, but 
was it really that bad? I think, see, part of this for me is I think that, that it gets collapsed into the discussion of Jasper. Absolutely. Um, Always. That I see. Yeah. Like, I, I hardly ever see people upset about Bismuth who are not also referencing Jasper's arc. And some of it, like, some of it I do sympathize with because prior to the most recent episodes, um, we, there really wasn't any positive butch representation. So, like, characters Mm -hmm. who, you know, kind of embodied, like, coding that was traditionally defined as butch. Um, like, Bismuth and Jasper were the only, like, characters that had any, that were significant to the story that had that coding. Ruby to um, a degree, but yeah. Yeah, but like, but not physically. Like, Ruby yeah, is yeah, like yeah. this. She was small. She's a small. Yeah. So, um, so Jasper and Bismuth being like large, like muscular, like, you know, butch style characters and both of them being problematic. Right. Yeah. Like, I think a huge part of why I think people reacted to Bismuth was because they're connecting that with Jasper. Would you agree, Bo? Uh, I, it's definitely, that's a big part of it, absolutely, that's, that, I agree, I've never heard a single bad word about Bismuth that was not also turned around onto Jasper, which then leads to Lapis and Peridot, and it's just, that seems to be the big source of the frustration, is everyone except the base Crystal Gems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. God, you know, the Jasper discourse, uh, if there was ever a moment where I considered just, like, flipping off an entire fandom and shutting the door, that would have been it. Yeah. I'm I'm usually at, uh, what's that called? Lost at Sea? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep, that was it. That was the one. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, Mm. No, Jasper- just like um, it's it's such a, like like a reading comprehension fail. Yeah, <laughs> where where like Jasper was like, "You're just as bad as I am, Lapis," and that particular part of the fan was like, "Yeah, see, right? She's just as bad as Jasper. It proves it because and, he said it." And, and it's horrible <laughs> because people have been trying to make Lapis worse than she is mm. since the second yeah, she yeah. appeared. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think what was just dangerous about that, for anyone who doesn't know, that's the episode uh, that sort of addresses an abusive dynamic, uh, not sort of, it addresses the abusive dynamic between uh, Lapis and uh, Jasper, who were in an abusive relationship uh, with Lapis, you know, being abused. And Jasper framed very obviously as the abuser was saying, you're just as bad as me. Mm-hmm. And Lapis sort of agreed, but it was clear that she's not coming from a place of like... She's not saying this as, like, a healthy, objective person. No. It's the same people who think that Ariane is incompetent because she thinks yeah. she is. Like, oh I, I, I'll give them this regarding Lapis, that it's part of the whole Malachite thing was supposed to be a two-way abusive thing where they're both just so toxic towards each other. But in this particular situation, this episode, it was specifically... One, wanting to continue that control and abuse, and the other saying no. So how are you interpreting the one saying no as the monster yeah. here? Right, right. It was it was who's moving towards healing, and it's very obvious. Yeah. And like even like when you talk about Malachite as like being mutually destructive, I know it's always like struck me like Lapis in that situation, like she's kind of just like, you know, I have to stay here because like I'm the only one who can control Jasper, like I have to, like, and but it she was had kind of whole... evocative of of a like mother protecting, yeah, exactly. A child I was, I was from... Absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry. Did well, I yeah. to it? And, and mm-hmm. even at that point, Lapis. At that point, when you know Malachite forms, Lapis 
isn't a healthy person there either. She had yeah. literally been trapped in a mirror for thousands of years, undergoing like physical and psycho, basically the equivalent of physical and psychological torture for thousands of years. And then comes out and is immediately imprisoned again by yeah. Jasper and Peridot. And then like Jasper, like asks her to like, fe- like doesn't even ask her is like fuse with me so that, you know, we can destroy them. Like, Lapis, to me, as someone who has been a victim of abuse, yeah. is clearly, like, taking the agency that she feels she can in that such this situation. Like, she's a victim of, like, a, a significant amount yeah. of trauma and is given mm-hmm. a situation where she can exert some kind of agency while also helping the one person who cared about her, which is Steven. Like... She's going to take it. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but that framing was clear, too. I mean, Jasper was, like, tossing her around like a rag doll. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, mm -hmm. the whole, like, just say yes and everything. Like, And everyone tries to blame that on her, too. Why didn't she just use the water, blah, blah, blah? She, Jasper has hold of her, and she's, not to mention the mental mindset, you know, mentality right then. Oh my god. And you know what? What's interesting, now that I'm thinking about it, the negative things said about the show, it tends to be Jasper related, it tends to be Lapis related, and very much Peridot related too. Yep. It, it really does. I, I think it's that relationship, the Peridot Lapis relationship, that are uh, probably the most polemic. And, uh, you know. Oh god, the shipping funny- wars. Like the shipping wars with Lapis and Peridot and typically Amethyst and Jasper, like throw in Amethyst into those, into that trio and like. People just, like, go crazy. Crazy, crazy. I don't understand it. I I didn't think it mattered that much. No. (laughs) No, you know, I think think part of it is that the the shipping wars, which is such a trite reason to get sour on a show, but then you combine it with, like... Shipping wars are so dumb. Especially, like, involving Amethyst, like, the one character who's just kind of, like... Whatever. Not into romantic (laughs) relationships. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, um... What I was going to say is, you know, add that to having months and months where we don't know when new episodes are coming. And you're just mm-hmm. sitting, like, stewing. And, oh, and I'll, say, I'll say the hiatus, what the hiatuses have done, especially with season four, is that it it created this really hyper-intense focus on what's filler. And that drives me insane yes. when people... Yes. Oh my gosh. They just argue so much. That is what has really turned, I think, between the hiatuses right. and then season four... Because it's townies, it's filler to them, you know, to people, and it's... Right, right, because we get the new episodes, we got that new slew of episodes, and people mm-hmm. were critical about that, right? Yep. All, always, people, now. Which people is, were critical... That's definitely not filler? People were critical of the Stephen, ba- Stephen Bomb beforehand. Like, the Stephen Bomb before that. They, Stephen Floats and that... That one? Um, the one with, like, the new Crystal Gems, and, yes. like, people were complaining that, like... Why are we talking about Lapis and Peridot and Connie? Like, why aren't we getting, like, everyone wants homeworld stuff because, like, that's the major, I think, like, it drives all of the theory, like, but, like. Oh, can we talk about the theory crafting of the show? (laughs) (laughs) Like, and excuse me, the new episodes we got, yeah, okay, it stars Lars, but that involved homeworld? I know, and, like, that's why, like, I'm at a point where I just want to be like, okay, fandom, like, are you going to be happy with nothing? Like, you were complaining at all of the time, ta- like, they were complaining about all the townie episodes, and we literally got an entire bomb dedicated to Homeworld, and people are upset, and I'm like, but why, though? Was this not what you wanted? Is I don't understand. Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl weren't, like, oh my gosh. featured strongly? No, I don't understand. I And so I, I actually stayed 
quite like very well away from like I'm in my happy little corner of, of Steven Universe <laughs> fandom, which involves like me and Bo and like you guys, and that's literally like <laughs> that's We're my fandom. Island. Oh, and I have a couple other friends that we, but it's all gushing. I only talk to the gushing people. I, I torture myself because I, I'm just such a positive person. I want to try so hard to make people like, there's a very yeah. clear reason why this happened. Don't you get yeah. it? Well, it wasn't Lapis and Paradox and, and Connie fighting off a corrupted monster, so it sucked. Right. Uh. Uh, and like, the thing is, when you, when you actually sit back and consider each episode in isolation, even the ones that are quote-unquote filler, and the best example I can think of is uh, Kiki's Pizza Delivery or whatever that was. That's like, not that's- filler, though! Yeah, well, like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, even right. even the ones that you can say this is inconsequential-ish, like, they still pack it with something that usually gets referenced later and with some sort of theme and takeaway that matters mm-hmm. to Steven's journey and matters to these other people's journeys. Like, yep. Yep. There, I can't think of a single wasted episode except for the crossover with... Uncle Grandpa, what's it called? Oh yeah, my gosh, that Grandpa. one was weird. See, that is my cat fingers. That's the one that I just like choose not to remember happened. I Yeah, I pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> so, I mean, and if you want, if if people want to understand why we don't think that something's a filler, um, we can. I think it's my piece on Lapis and Peridot's mutual healing arc, the yes. when ocean meets steel. Because yes. one of the things that I do in that episode, in that article, is I go through and talk about how like filler episodes that seem to be about something else are also about that. It's also I also do that in my article. Um, Stephen isn't meddling, and how like going through all of what seem to be like un- totally unrelated episodes to like. Steven's arc about learning how to be like a, a mediator and someone who heals, like learning how to use that part of his personality and his powers. Like episodes that seem to be totally unrelated are actually related. Like actually yeah, are absolutely. like playing with things that are going on in his story, even if it's not about him. Yeah. And like even the new Steven bomb that was giving Lars an arc. You right? can have your own feelings on whether or not he deserved an arc or whether or not you're interested in having him have an arc. But that's what those were, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't wasted that we get the party episode when he doesn't show up with his, you know, cake. Oh, I have so many feelings about that episode. I know, I <laughs> oh know. And, like, oh Sadie gosh. in that episode, too. Oh. oh, Sadie, I love Sadie. But can oh, we talk about the happy. trailer for that student mom and how fucking deceptive it was? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Are you my dad? Oh, my oh, gosh. My God. Which totally made me think of Doctor Who. No, yeah. yeah. I thought, like, Stephen was going to have, like, a baby gem or something. I don't know what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> the way that they framed it is... They're total Honestly, trolls. My favorite thing that they do, anytime there's a game controller, anytime there's a video game, anything, it's mm-hmm. always Nintendo 64. It's always the banana controller. Like, I don't <laughs> know what it is. That's, that's what Stephen was using too, with the cluster, with the drill that was going down. <gasps> That's right, I'd forgotten that. He oh has a GameCube, though, too. He has an N64, he has a GameCube. Yeah, he has both, but it's always a Nintendo controller that they use. And it made, it made me very happy when Connie had the, uh, in one of the shorts, Steven uses her PC, and she has all the strategy games. She has, like, the Civ Five knockoff, and the Crusader <gasps> Kings knockoff, and it yes, was perfect. Yes. It was perfect. She reminded me <laughs> of exactly course. of my friend Chris from my school. So <laughs> How does Connie have time to play our, our uh, games, though? She, she probably justifies it as research. <laughs> and, and, and 
Right? Like, she plays it for, like, figuring out how civilizations used to rise and fall. Like, that's totally what she does. But yeah, oh my like, gosh, no, I love Connie. I mean, I still think it's a case where we watch an episode, like, I am still amazed at this, how, A, how much they pack into 11 minutes, and B, mm. this is a show for children. And when you consider that, and you consider what you're actually watching, like, you know, the trial episode from the newest Stephen Bomb. Like, they gave kids a courtroom drama to watch. Yes. Yeah, and Bo really loved one of the characters on that episode. Oh my god, I, I loved all of them at Zircon. Uh, maybe it's because I was watching Better Call Saul at the time, so it was just... <laughs> <laughs> Zircon was perfect. Oh my god, I don't know. yes. I forgot about that. And then you have Topaz. So, like, going back to what we were saying earlier, as, like, the, the lack of, like, positive butch representation. Like, I love that Rebecca Sugar, like seems to have heard that criticism and was like, okay, have Topaz. And yep. And I have so many feelings about Topaz. And Topaz yep. has lots of feelings about Topaz. <laughs> what would Topaz do without Topaz? Honestly, it makes me wonder because they do these episodes so far in advance. Because I saw today they did, I think they did the trial in 2015. They storyboarded the trial. Oh so they're hearing all these you know, complaints and criticism. I can't imagine how they don't slip in these interviews about what like, something like oh, Topaz. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, just wait, guys. Just wait. Yeah. That, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm so impressed by how much, like, oh, man. Oh, so the Stephen Bomb, of, like, the Stephen Bomb with Aquamarine. Like, I could not believe that they brought in the list from season one. Like, oh, and you, you know, you real, like, that was just like the epitome of Rebecca Sugar planning. Cause you realize that when she was, when they were writing season one, they had this in mind. That they were, Our that this Lady list. Onion, I think. Dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Mailman. The mailman. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if it was planned in advance or I wonder if it was a situation where they went back and watched it and they're like, you know what we could do with this because gems are literal. Like, I, I have to know because I feel like they can't be this damn clever about everything all the time, you know? Like, how but far out in advance they? is the show planned? Hey, remember in Black Sails where they totally seeded Flint and Thomas's relationship in the first episode and then they only revealed it in the second uh, season? Or it revealed, quote unquote, because it was That's obvious. That's different, that Julia. <laughs> How's different? Because they had the whole show planned. To, I, I don't know. I don't know. Except they're like, you're implying that Rebecca Sugar does not have this whole show planned. I totally believe that she does. Just like living in her brain somewhere. Yeah, I believe it. Maybe oh. maybe this gets into creator headcanons, but like I totally believe that Rebecca Sugar has this whole thing planned out. You yeah, um, we just caution against creator headcanons. That's Come true. On we did. So, no. oh, the other thing, okay, we have to talk about in terms of the new Stephen Bomb, we have to talk about the new gems, the off-colors, okay. who are yes. like, oh, they are so cute. I love them all. Pat, Pat Parasco is just far and away my favorite. The, you know, saying, like, Stephen, watch out, like, after he gets hit with something. Yeah. And- <laughs> I don't know how that didn't get old. Somehow it didn't. I, it I did, yeah, because, like, you learn it, and you're like, oh, this is going to be stupid, but every time she yeah. pipes up and, like, says it's... A prediction, quote-unquote. Oh, look! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, have you guys seen the Tumblr post that's gone around that, oh, my gosh. So there's this, there's uh, a, okay, there's a Tumblr post going around about Pad, Pad Paradska, um and Lars, and about how, like, because, like, that they could use that as, like, her telling Lars what's happening on Earth as it's happening of, like, oh, I predict that Steven is going to tell all of the gems about how amazing Lars was. 
and oh, about how that. everyone loves him and about how everyone believes in Lars. And I was like, oh my gosh. That would be really nice. Like, but like, how beautiful is- would that be that like she gets to use her powers and because Lars knows that she's only seeing things that has already happened, like Lars gets to like know for a fact that everyone like loves him and appreciates him and is so proud of him being courageous and all the things he's done. And I just, I have a lot of feelings about that. That would be really cool. I, Lars is stressing me out right now. I need him back. Uh-huh. I need him to get back. I know a lot of people are worried. A lot of people are worried that they're going to just dump him in Homeworld and not like bother with him for season five or something. I don't think. What? I, yeah, that, that I don't think great. that's likely. I don't know. I can't imagine them doing that. This feels different because uh, Rebecca Sugar said about season five that they're kind of really pushing forward with this at this point because I think this is where she had it planned up to or yeah, this is what she had in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's gotta be like, I I can't imagine that he would be stuck on Homeworld. Like, I, I just can't even imagine how that would ever be possible. At the very least, Steven's gonna like bring them food and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. Wait, the, he can't, doesn't did, really, did he eat still? I don't think he did. Yeah, he said he was, I mean, he mentioned not being hungry. Yeah. But can Steven, like, bring him Sadie or something? <laughs> oh, yay! Steven, yes, yes, please. Sadie, go yeah. visit. I don't know, it just, like, made my heart hurt. <laughs> yeah. Lars makes my heart hurt a lot. Yeah, um, and for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, too, Lars and Sadie are two of the first characters Rebecca Sugar ever created on her own. Like, out of context of the show. She had just been, like, writing Lars and Sadie and drawing Lars and Sadie for years. Yeah, so they are so, they are important characters. And important to her. I can't imagine she's just going to be like, yeah, all right, no one bothers. She can just hang out there. Yeah. The, the, the one reservation I think I had about what happened to Lars afterwards is, what is it going to mean to Sadie? I don't know, because I, I love Sadie so much, and I'm just worried yeah, she's going to yeah. see this pink, nearly immortal Mars, and or Lars, and, yeah. Oh... My friend Jason is really, really into Steven Universe, and after this episode aired, he sent me the theory that he found, I think he found it on Reddit, I can't imagine he made this up, that, you know how Lion shoots portals out of his mouth? Mm Mm-hmm. That Lars is going to shoot portals out of his fingertips after going bingo bongo. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I think that's perfect. So that's that's the kind of theory crafting I can get on board with with this show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god. And can we, like, can I also just say, like, speaking of Rebecca Sugar being amazing, how yeah. she was able, like, with all of the things that they threw in in this new, in the beginning of season five with uh, the trial, that she threw in a stable polyfusion like, yep. just, like, threw in fluorite, who's made of, of what, five? Five gems? Yep. Six, uh, I think? It's a high number. I think fluorite says five, but it could be six if I meet the right gem, or something along those lines. Uh, yeah, um, and right. just, like, threw that in there and then moved on. And, like, to me, like, that is the level of, like, I just, just, like it's amazing that she can just, like, throw that in there. And, I know, and no one cares because everything else. <laughs> right? Because the show is already so queer that they're just like, oh, right, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, stable stable poly relationship. Cool, that's fine. 
I just oh love it. God. I love her. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Everyone, everyone, seriously, check the show out. Like, if you're somehow listening and haven't, um, yeah, seriously, what are you doing? Right. Yeah, if you are listening and have watched the show, which I'm assuming is actually the majority of people, like, yeah, just let us know uh, if you get down by the fandom, if you're able to avoid it at all, if you think we're overblowing the negativity. Uh, yeah, just let us know your experiences with that, and we'd be really curious to hear it. Unfortunately, we're out of time for Aww. anymore. So we want to uh, very much thank Bo coming in in the middle of a horrible storm, apparently. Just a light drizzle. A horrible storm by the by your cable company standards. Yes. <laughs> the, um, the lighter the storm, the better the chance everything messes up. No, it's, always oh, of a, course. it's certainly a pleasure to finally have you on the show. And, and Bo writes everything for us yeah so. no. like Bo is like you are so profesh i know i know so, um, I, don't, I don't know i don't know what i'm gonna do now well, everything's ending. yeah i guess yeah better call Saul just ended right and you were gushing about that yeah yep. Fargo Fargo. Tonight. Oh. yeah you need yep. to catch up on orphan black i told you yep yes Yes. Uh, yeah, and then no. Bo and I, Bo and I, I am not always available, but Bo and I will often do Steven Universe recaps together. You mean bitchin'? when it comes up? Sometimes we don't have much warning. It it is <laughs> it is pronounced bitchin. Yeah, it's spelled bitchin, but our fusion name is bitchin because we are we're bitchin. Yes. We're totally bitchin. All right, because we're awesome. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> Did you not know this? No, Bo and I had decided this that it was pronounced that way. All right. We just, I guess we just didn't tell you. Mm, obviously. It's, you know, whatever. It beats our, what are we, Griley? Griley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, and then, and then because we were Griley when Griffin and I went to co-write something, we had to be Griffley. <laughs> these fusion, these fusion names are getting, they're getting something. Yeah, they're getting weird. Nothing's ever gonna top Julie. Julie is iconic. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so you can check out Betchen and Julie and Griley's writings all on thephantamentals.com. If you like what we were talking about here, you should either recommend this podcast to a friend of yours, uh, or perhaps it's an enemy of yours and you want to inflict us onto them. <laughs> leave us, or you can also leave us a rating and review in iTunes uh, through whatever app you listen to. There's usually some kind of ranking device and that helps us get discovered. Finally, we have merch yeah, that Gretchen yep. had mentioned on our website. Yeah, so uh, it's if you scroll all the way to the bottom of the website, you'll see a little button for the Fundamental Store, and then you too can have a sticker that says you want your pansexual pirates. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And we've got you know other fandom. We even things. if you if you think we're this awesome, we even have a mug for this podcast. We do. It's a fundamentalist mug. It's a fundamentalist mug. We also mug. have a uh, organic free range shipping T shirt. Yes, that's my favorite. I still need to buy that. I know we do. I, I'm going to make it into a tank top. I said that last time, but this yes, time I'm actually do it. Do it. All right. Uh, so yeah, that's about all we've got. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.
in Florida is very stormy. Get out! (laughs) 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 Sorry we're laughing at you, Julia. That was hilarious. The weather in Florida is very stormy. It's all my fault. I love you. Oh, God. That was amazing. That was great.